Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Not Your African Cliché. Before we get into today's episode though, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher where we are Not Your African Cliché as well as SoundCloud where we are NYAC Podcast. Don't forget to reach out to us on social media, Facebook, we are Not Your African Cliché, Twitter, at NYAC Podcast and Instagram, NYAC underscore podcast. You can also email us at notyourafricancliche at gmail.com. Now, enjoy the rest of the episode. Welcome to another episode of Not Your African Cliché. My name is Ifeyua, and today we have a very special guest with us. But before um, I introduce her, I'll let my one of my other co-hosts introduce herself. Hey guys, this is Onyeka, aka Yeka-O. So on today's episode, we're reduced to half of the team, but it's <laughs> going to be a great episode regardless. Right. So on today's episode, we have with us the amazing, talented Sarah Dioff. Am I pronouncing that right, Sarah? Yes. <laughs> okay. So we have Sarah with us, and she is the founder and owner of a media and production company called Ifra Media Group. But she's also the founder of Noir Magazine, a lifestyle magazine for black women. And she is also the founder and owner of Tongoro Studio, a fashion label based in Dakar, Senegal. So welcome, Sarah. How are you? I'm great. A bit exhausted, but... Yeah, so I have been following you on Instagram, I want to say, for about a year or so. And I was attracted to, like, just your amazing feed and all the designs and photos you were posting. And then a couple months ago, I read your interview on OK Africa. And I thought to myself, I was like, wait, I've been following her for such a long time. It makes sense. Like, why didn't I think about this earlier for um, Not Your African Cliché to interview her? So that was the inspiration. Um to reach out to you and ask you for an interview. Um, and so in reading that interview, I knew you, um, prior to reading the, the interview, I knew you were from Africa. But when I read that article in OK Africa, I was like, oh my goodness, okay, these are all the details of your identity. And I was wondering if you could share that with us, but also people who are listening to this episode. So um, I've always considered myself as a child of Africa because I have so many different cultures um, as my background. And um, so I was born in Paris, but um, I grew up in Côte d'Ivoire for the most part of my life before going back to Paris again. Uh, My dad is out from Congo and Senegal, and my mom is out from Central Africa and Senegal. Mm. So I've always been uh, raised mix, which was very interesting because, you know, when you're young um, and you're traveling, you tend to identify to the place uh, that you consider as home. So uh, when I was younger and, um, for example, to Paris for holidays, uh, at my cousins, they would call me the Ivorian because this is where I 
to leave. And uh, when I was going to Central Africa, for example, they would call me the Senegalese. It's, mm. you know, so it was very, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to lie. It was, um, I think when you're younger, you just, you just don't measure the, um, really um, know how important it is. But now mm. I back and look at uh, all of what happened when I was younger. I knew that um, it was confusing and it was hard on me, even if I didn't know it back then. It's mm. only when I myself as a person and as a woman, you know, you start just looking for a piece of your own identity so that you can self then um i started like processing all of these different cultures that i uh some of them i knew some of them i didn't knew for example my senegalese side i mm. didn't really know it because uh, my parents separated when i was two and i was raised by my mom so it was only the central african culture that was very uh, predominant mm. and uh, i there was a piece of me that was missing because I was really close to every other part of my culture, but this one. So this mm. is why I decided uh, to come home, um, mm. to go to a place uh, that I knew the least so that I can learn more about it. And I'm not gonna lie, it's very challenging, um, mm. hard sometimes, but journey because at the end, I think I'm gonna be more than satisfied that I make this choice. Mm. Yeah, just a beautiful thing to be able to transmit this part of myself that I didn't knew to my children one day if I yeah. have some. Yeah. So when did you make that decision to move um, to Senegal? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think it was part of a process actually because about three years ago I started coming back because one of my best friend who's 100% Senegalese. Uh, we met in Paris and she finished studying uh, business in Paris. She was like, okay, this is it for me. I'm going home. Um, but whenever you want to come visit, feel, you know, welcome to, she, she knew my story. So she was like, yeah, just come and visit and you would love it. And, you know, and it's not that I didn't know Senegal because I used to come on holiday, visit my aunt and always traveling with my mom here. But it's one thing to come to a place that is part of your culture when you visit, mm -hmm. and it's another to here and really like, you know, learn on a daily basis. Right. So when she offered to me, I was like, okay, well, I'm coming. And um, mm -hmm. after she left, I came to visit. I stayed with her, and I think the minute I get off the plane, it sounds crazy, but I just, I just told myself I, I felt like I was home. Mm. I really felt like I was home. And also because, you know, I have a Senegalese name, Doof. You cannot do more Senegalese than this. <laughs> um, mm. It's just crazy, you know, because wherever I, I go and I introduce myself, the first thing that people think is, oh, and I'm so dark. I have this, you know, very dark skin. So I'm typically, I look like a Senegalese. My name is Senegalese. How can I fully know about this part of my identity when... When you see me, that's the only thing you see, you know. Mm. So yeah, when I when I came I came back, it was just an epiphany, and I was, and I really felt like I was home. So I started coming back more often, and everything kind of happened naturally because um, I started making those outfits for myself because in Ivory Coast we have all these amazing tailors, and every time I would go back uh, to visit my parents on holidays when I was 
you know, living in Paris, I would always like uh, go to the market and just mix to make uh, some clothes uh, for myself. So I started doing this here. And when I went Paris, it was for during Fashion Week. I wore one of the outfits that I made, and mm-hmm. this editor from Elle started questioning me about what I was wearing. And she was like, "Oh my God, that's wonderful! I love it. Or do you have a brand or something?" And one of my dear friends was really pushy and kind of crazy, and then said, "Yeah, yeah, she has a brand. It's made in Senegal." And actually, how everything happened because it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was just samples that I make for myself, like, you know, mm-hmm. and um, more people start questioning me and asking me about it. So I thought there was something like there was something to be done and there was an opportunity here, but I didn't really know how everything could happen. So I started mm-hmm. coming back more. Often. But surely, well, Tongoro was born because I feel like, OK, everybody, some people love it, so I can maybe make more and and we'll see how it goes. And yeah, so I started mm. coming back to Senegal. Uh, Tongoro was born. Then at some point. So sorry, what year was what year was uh, Tongoro born? And also I had a question about why the name Tongoro as well. Mm-hmm. So it was 2015. Uh, mm-hmm. So a year after I started coming back to Senegal. I launched it the first time, but it wasn't the right time. And mm-hmm. uh, kind of put the project on pause so that I can mm-hmm. relaunch it the right way. Mm-hmm. And uh, also I realized that it takes a lot of, like you, you kind of, it takes a lot of time and patience. And also you have to be on soil and on ground to be uh-huh. on top of the staler. Mm-hmm. But if you're not here to be behind the people that work for you, they're not going to work. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother topic right? conversation. <laughs> This, this is actually what motivated me to come back because the business was growing. The response that I had, that I was getting from the brand was amazing. And I felt like, point you, I mean, I don't have children. I'm not married. I'm still young and I have this amazing project. Uh, mm. And my life in Paris was cool, but I feel like I always felt like something was missing because I'm a child of, like, I've always, I grew up in Africa, you know? So at some point, mm-hmm. uh, you feel like there's a, a chain that is missing so last december actually last november i decided that i was going to come back here and look for a place for myself and um and yeah and i just you know i just found my place i went back to paris and started moving my stuff and it was just a year where tongoro went from project to a business because i was here and i could focus on this and make it grow the right way because i'm here Mm. And so, sorry, did you say this already? But what? How did you choose the name Tongoro? Tongoro means star. Uh, it's mm-hmm. in Sango, which is the Central African Republic first language. Was my mm-hmm. mother language, and mm-hmm. this is how my mother used to call me when I was younger. And I really and I chose this name and not a Senegalese name because uh, you know Central African, the Central African Republic is one of the poorest countries in the world, and there is like right now happening there is really heartbreaking and nobody is really talking about it but there's an ongoing mm-hmm. war yeah. that has been going past in years people are dying mm. nobody really and yeah. um to me it's a way to put the light on this very very um you know of our continent which is actually the heart of 
of Africa because it's right in the middle. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I had never heard anything about Central um, African Republic until I saw it in you know your interview, and you said your mom is from from there. It's not a country that we hear much of. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's crazy mm-hmm. because there's so much, there is so many rich um, resources there. You know, we have diamond and we have gold, but I think this is also one of the main reasons for uh, the ongoing conflict and. Mm-hmm politic for people to really pay attention and 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 give help because you know world works kind of and just going back a few steps you mentioned that you met someone at paris fashion week and she was asking you about well one of your friends started promoting you and talking about Mm -hmm. the pieces that you make and your brand and it made me think about how sometimes our friends are our biggest Mm. (laughs) our biggest promoters and they're the ones who are um supporting our like our work i guess for a lot of people who are on the entrepreneurial side um just the importance of the kind of people that you surround yourself with um Mm. just in general because I mean, if your friend wasn't there, like, who knows if, you know, this brand would have been born, like maybe it would have, but just not in that moment or at the time that it did. So being mindful of who you're surrounding yourself with. So the next question I wanted to ask Sarah is, um, as the owner of a fashion label, what does your life look like on a daily basis? Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, to be honest, it's not really glamorous. So <laughs> I think to own a fa- it, it depends. It depends where you are in the world and um, what kind of label do you have. Hmm. If you own like a fashion label in America and you have a million dollars investment, your life is pretty easy because you might have like a thousand people working for you and, hmm. and it's a total different game. Hmm. But as far as I know, uh, in Africa, well, you really have to be patient mm. and you have to have a um, certain level of empathy because you're working with people. So you have to understand that human resources is your first resource. Mm. Have a brand. So if I don't know how to manage those tailors, it exists. Right. And mm. to have discipline because if you're not disciplined, you cannot discipline uh, a team of people that's going to work for you. Huh. Then I think you have to, I mean, so far I, I have really, I really have to be flexible and to be reactive because um, I decided to go not fast fashion, but uh, it's not what I do is not luxury. So it's affordable. So I huh. have to come new styles all the time. And this is one of the reasons why I had to come back because it was too complicated to, handle everything from abroad mm. um yeah it takes it takes it takes a lot of time dedication discipline mm. and um, i think you just develop managerial skills over time because uh if you want to grow you need more people and uh, if you want to grow well you need more disciplined people so mm. the talk <laughs> and you mentioned earlier going to the market to source materials yeah, so this is this is really part of my creative process. I love going to the market. Mm. Uh, here we have uh, two main market for fabrics, and um, the thing is, um, I don't source on an industrial level because I don't have the means yet. But oh. when I go to the market and I see, for example, a 
or one fabric that I love, I have to take the roll because I'm never sure if I come the day after that that I'm gonna find it again. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, but but I just love it because I don't know. The market is part of my process. You just see all this. I never know what um, what um, a design is gonna look like. I never know what I'm gonna do with. It depends. Depends on the items, but sometimes I have a precise idea of what I want to do. And mm -hmm. when I brace and go to the market, I see the fabric. I'm inspired by it, and I just, you know, go back to the studio and create something with it. And I was wondering, what are some of the joys and challenges that you face running Tongora? I know you mentioned earlier um, not being able to remotely manage like the tailors, and I remember reading in your article. Um, that you did the interview you did with OK Africa, like having to be on top of the tailors. And it just made me think back to um, in Nigeria, sewing um, dresses for uh -huh. Christmas, the holidays is a very big thing. And so people usually send their fabrics to tailors and ask them, OK, I want you to make this for me by you know, December 20th or, <laughs> or whatever. And I remember like <laughs> all of the different... Um, I'll say wahala, as oh. Nigerians would say, like different wahala you have with Taylor that says, oh, I forgot I, I have it. to travel. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> or, oh, sorry, I was going to take this much. I'm going to delay it. All these issues. It's like you tell the concept, and this is also me becoming more Americanized, where in the States you say, okay, I want this by this date, and you get uh -huh. it. Yeah. But at home, it's like this, it doesn't exist. It's, <laughs> it's like, I have to keep chasing you to get my material. I have to keep chasing you to get my dress. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. I think it's, it's it, I don't know, maybe it's cultural, but uh, <laughs> I think, no, but I swear to you, like the main thing that, um, I was telling people is that if you know that you cannot do it, just say no. Yeah. Don't just say no because um, I don't know if people are afraid to say no or they just greedy for the money mm. and be like, say no because I'm going to lose business. But at the right. end of the day, you do this anyway because you're disappointing someone. And sometimes when they know they're really good, mm. they don't they care, you know? Yep. So yeah. before I had my own tailors, I had to deal with that because this is why you have to be on top of people this is why you have to be here and this mm -hmm. is one of the main reason i decided to build my own atelier and have my own tailor because mm -hmm. on Your my style. brand mm -hmm. i don't have to from you know not meeting deadlines and um just you know waiting and waiting and waiting after someone who's not going to deliver mm -hmm. uh Yeka, oh question for you so if you were to describe the type of woman that Tongoro was created for, what, what would that description be? Um, I think she's, I think she's a woman of, of the now. Mm. She's very into whatever is going on right now in fashion. I think she's, uh, she's very free. Uh, she's an adventurer and she's a traveler. Because I think the brand is built around this um, idea of, of traveling and it's very resort where so it's very light. Mm. Intend to use only fabrics that are really light and easy to pack and that you don't have to uh, iron all the time. You know, let's say you have to travel for the weekend and you don't have a steamer with you. Mm -hmm. When you unpack, you're still very, like, you know. They're still mm. proper. And also, you know, like a very fashionable 
fashionable and fashion forward girl. She's just, I love making a statement, either it's in a print or a shape or accessory and mm-hmm. you just really enjoy playing with fashion and daily basis. Yeah, I really love, speaking of, you know, fashion forward and um, statements, I really love one of your purses that's like really long. I don't know if, if it has a name, but it's a very bold fashion statement. Yeah, I think it's a one of a kind. And when you go to a party, you are not going to see many women wearing mm-hmm. that. And the girl that yeah. is daring enough to wear that, like, I think she has a strong character also. And that says a lot about that she is and that's the kind of girl that i like Mm. to design for love it yeah so i know in the interview you did with okay africa africa you talked about hashtag made in africa and i wondered if you could just talk a little bit about like your enthusiasm about things being made on the continent for a long long time and even before prior to launching this project i talked with a lot of people and um and i also was observing the african fashion market and what I noticed is that most of the designers that I like, for some of them very successful and that I even love, they all, all of their, the price point was always luxury. Wow. And in my mm-hmm. mind, I'm a consumer of fashion. I, and I'm an online shopper. <laughs> so um, when I, because, and, and I have to talk about online fashion because uh, for most African designers, it's quite difficult to find them at your local store or uh, if you shop in like their like luxurious store, even uh, in Europe or America, not all of them like have, you know, a corner or something. So it's very difficult to put your hands um, on this design. And uh, in my mind, as a consumer, as a client and as someone who loves fashion, when I'm going to invest in a piece, I want to make sure that I'm not going to be disappointed by the quality or something. Mm-hmm. And this is a topic that was uh, recurrently co- coming back in discussion, conversation. Yeah, but Afri- you know, things that are made in Africa, they're not always well-made or mm-hmm. the quality is kind of suspicious. As a customer, I don't buy luxury every day. I can mm-hmm. afford maybe a piece, I don't know, a year. But when it comes to everyday, you know, clothes, I like to splurge on something that's going to be fashionable yet still affordable because in six months, the trend is gone. And so my thinking was when it comes to made in Africa, if you want people, if you want to invite people to uh, purchase the good and try the good, it has to be affordable at like start so that they can at least splurge mm-hmm buy it and once they try it if mm-hmm. it's well made they're going to be convinced wow. for more but if i start with a brand and i always say that i am not a designer a student business so it's not that i've i've never taken design class or, or tailoring class uh, it's just that i think i have an eye for i don't know maybe trends or fashion or whatever you call it but mm-hmm. i have a you know, I'm just sensible to that. So um, I'm, I don't want to create something that I'm going to price and nobody's going to be able to buy it. And it's just going to be beautiful mm. pictures standing on the website. And I would have mm. lost money because it's an investment. Mm. So um, the idea was to really create something that is quite affordable, that everybody can love and everybody can wear and everybody can try once. And if they're convinced, they're going to come back for more as you know, Zara or H&M and all those really affordable and fashionable brands that everybody at 
at least as uh, but once in their life. So mm-hmm. that was the idea. And whole process and this whole idea and the goal for uh, having an affordable fashion line is to change the views of people on the made in Africa. Of course, uh, like the brand as, as just, it's just one year old, so it's not perfect mm-hmm. and um, striving for perfection, but I'm trying for quality and for improvement so that one day, and I think with the collection that uh, I'm gonna put out on November 1st, um, the early shoppers of Tongo will see the difference. Like we're really improving the quality and I, I, to me, it's a conversation. It's a conversation not only with my fellow African sister who loves fashion and who really support uh, all the made in African brands, but also mm-hmm. with you know foreign consumer because eighty uh, percent of of the people that per- that buy on Tongoro come from the U.S. Mm-hmm. Wow. So um, and I love having their feedbacks when they buy something and you know just let us know did you like this item? Uh, what would you I think we could have done better to improve the quality or what would you, you know, and it's an ongoing conversation because African fashion is an industry that is not even, that is not established yet, but mm-hmm. it's now. And mm-hmm. we have to we have to have this conversation and we have to have something that everybody can try to improve because if I come up with a couture line that nobody can try and people have this a misconception about the quality or just doubts, I will be the one that is losing everything. So, hmm. so do you think um, that collaborations across the continent will help promote um, the building this African fashion identity? I totally believe in collaboration because, for example, um, just go back from South Africa last weekend for uh, the Salam HMC Art Fair. And mm-hmm. I met this amazing jewelry designer from Kenya. Her name is Adele Dejac. And so we start talking and um, I and I found, like, I just realized that I didn't know anything about East Africa. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she didn't know that much about West Africa. And so we are going to collaborate so that people... Uh, like my crowd can get to know her designs and um, it's not about numbers because you know sometimes people i think are in a competitive spirit and it's not about that it's about space for everyone and i think Mm -hmm. collaboration we can all gain markets because africa is 54 countries 54 countries that are not well um deserved in fashion Uh so um People from Kenya might want to shop from my line and people from Dakar might want to shop from her line. But so if we collaborate to discover and, and try the product and oh. it, then they're going to talk about it to someone else, to someone else. And this is how things travel. And we actually create exchanges within the continent. And I think this is the kind of synergy that African fashion needs right now. So well said. um and then i also wanted to ask um what advice would you give to those who also um either they want to start their own fashion labels or they're currently you know they have one um what advice do you have for them are there some things you didn't know when you started tongoro that you wish you knew that you want to pass on to other people this is actually the number one but have a business plan (laughs) And make sure that, um, don't be too optimistic, hmm. be realistic, and even be pessimist in your business plan so that if good thing happens, great for you. 
But if it mm. doesn't, at least, you know, you know what you're in for and you prepare. Because I think this is also why so many brands um, come to life and, and die because people are just like, oh my God, I can never, I, it's not possible. Wow. I'm going to make this work. And I'm not even going to lie. Sometimes I'm like, oh my God, why, why, what did I get myself into? <laughs> but mm -hmm. the angles, because I forgot, like, Africa is something else. It's, not, it's something else. So you just have to find a way and make it through the day. And tomorrow is another one and more. But oh. have a plan mm. and, and know who you are. It's very important. Only for the people you're going to manage, but drive your business. Because oh. some people uh, only see the very, like, if you're a creative person, uh, know that you're a creative person. Uh, mm -hmm. It will help you finding the right person for you to go into business because for some people they only see like the creative part oh i'm gonna design oh i'm gonna do this amazing dresses but mm. at the end of the day the money that you invest in the fabrics and the tailoring uh, it has to return yeah yeah the companies like zara and h&m or you know i always uh those two because they're really they're like the models i i uh, project myself you know uh, to be one day, who knows? But um, people just have to understand that this is a business and it's not always fun. Uh, mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. like things that you don't want to deal with. And if you don't want to deal with, find someone like a, the right partner for uh, you to deal with it, you know? And if you're like me, like, you know, I I know that I, I, I work best alone, but I know how to manage a team. So you just have to, and I have the, and I think I have both sides. I have the creative side, but I'm also very, very business oriented. Hmm. So important to know yourself. Mm -hmm. And I learned so much. Um, another question for you. I know very often we talk on this podcast about how um, as Africans, we kind of don't recognize that failure is important. Um, in, in being successful and, and all that stuff. Can you kind of share like some of the, times when you felt like okay maybe you failed at something when that kind of projected you or um catapulted you to something that was bigger than you had initially anticipated i know you mentioned launching the first time and then having to relaunch um so can you share some of those so that people know that we're all human beings and failure is part of life i didn't i didn't really experience that as a failure because i always go i always follow my gut but more like this is a lesson mm. the, you know, it hits you in your face. Mm. Of course it's not failing because it's like to jump better. I don't know if I can say it's the same in English, but it was really a lesson because it taught me so much about myself. This is why I, mm -hmm. I gave this advice like you are, um, because you cannot go in business alone, take it to the next level. Uh, but also I think, in, in in the era of fast pace huh. and sometimes everything and if you feel like things are not going right or the way you want them to go just pause block the noise and think of, about you think about yourself because you're doing for is you even if your goal is maybe to change the african retail industry or just, you know, we all have revolutionary ideas and that's okay. But I, when I wake up in the morning, I'm doing this for me because it's for my sanity. It, it like, it's something that keeps me alive and keeps me going. And 
you just do it for yourself first. So uh, I think in moments of doubt or when things are not going right, just pause and don't look around. Don't mm. pay attention to what, who, what uh, X, Y, Z are doing. That's fine. Everybody will and has his moment uh, mm-hmm. in his life. But uh-huh. um, failure, it doesn't mean, failure is not the end. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So there's, always, there's always something to learn from something that doesn't work out. It doesn't mean that it's not right. It just means that you have to start over and you start to hope to start over with what you've learned the first time. So oh, mm-hmm. that's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm very self-absorbed, but self-centered because uh, I've learned a lot about myself, and um, and yeah, I think this is what is guiding me. And I always listen to my gut, whatever I do, or noir, or you know, so. yeah that's amazing um and you just touched on we just have a few more questions for you you mentioned um noir and you also founded and own um efriend studios could you talk a little bit about those and those other ventures that you have it's it's when i was reading about you i was like oh my gosh she's wearing so many hats it was so impressive to read so, well, talking about failure, I'm going to tell you the story about how everything came together. Yay. So, eight years ago, I launched my first online magazine. The name was Gubar. It was um, fashion, art, culture, mixing African and Arabic influence because I'm obsessed with the Arabic world and culture. And um, this magazine for seven years successfully, but... The, at the time where we, I came with this project, it was a digital project in France. And I think even the whole world wasn't really onto the digital back then. It was 2008. And I think the blogosphere just started to pop. So where um, I was with this very, that you can have like a real magazine online with pages and editorial and everything. And it was actually something to promote diversity because back then, um I to see like a black girl on the cover of a fashion magazine especially oh. in france mm. a lot of um like really high quality publication for black women so my idea was just to gather everyone black asian indian whatever your color whatever your um sexual orientation is um around this amazing publication that is online so that anybody from anywhere in the world could just access through a computer mm-hmm. and at some point over the years and i was still going i was still in business school back then so it was just a side project but it was more like a passion project and at some point um because i was working with people and managing a team of people that were even older than me uh they were they started asking me okay um it's cool but where are we really going with this project because you know we're putting so much time and energy what kind of feedback are we having, you know, as far as like a financial? Mm. And I didn't know how to create financial value out of a digital publication. So mm-hmm. the magazine kind of died. I've released my last issue um, about a year ago. It was the it was the last one and it's still online on gubar.com. Uh, go check it out when you have a when you when you have a chance. And mm-hmm. um, I didn't really leave that as a failure, but it was a deception because um, I think it was a lack of skills. 
And uh, the idea behind it, the idea was always to come up with um, African media powerhouse, such as Condé Nast or Hearst, who would have different publication. So my first one was Gubar and the second was Noir. Mm. And also a production company inside that will produce all the visual because everything that I put in, in the magazine um, is homemade. Like we go to the studio with my team, we produce the visual ourselves. We don't pay for people to do editorial for us. Like we really produce, mm. it's original content. So yeah. it was some kind of 60 media company that would work like that. And I always had this idea because I felt like I never seen anything like that in Africa. And even to this day, uh, there is, we don't have like a Condonast or a Hearst. So that was my idea. And the first media really taught me so much about how I'm handling noir now, because uh, if you've seen, I think I've launched noir last year and um, this publication is a print one, but we still haven't launched the print issue yet because, well, it takes way more than, than I thought. And I'm never afraid or ashamed to say, listen, uh, I wanted to launch that uh, last summer, but it's not it's just not possible because it's not working for me right now. And I organized the whole thing was not the best way. And I won't do things the right way, mm-hmm. not just do things because they, ha- they have to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a lot. Uh, and it's a lot of hats also, but um, I just think, you know, even if I'm not, I cannot tell you that in 10 years, I will still be the one in charge of Ifrei Media Group, but mm. I know that I would have started something uh, that would let, that would have like lead to many other great things for the continent. And it's oh. just so important to have outlets and, you know, media outlets and brands that are strictly ours Mm. so my last question for you is what is up next for you sarah oh wow (laughs) (laughs) what is next (laughs) if i'll tell you it's not gonna be a surprise (laughs) (laughs) we can tell when the mics are off (laughs) but well i mean you did mention earlier that you are releasing a collection i don't like to say collection because it's just Mm. like a bunch of items and i like to think wardrobe in my mind when i come up with new items i'm like okay so now let's take it a step further and let's go maybe more sophisticated but still very laid back so that everybody can enjoy the fashion but at the same mm. time, I want the girl who comes to shop for, to be able to pick a shirt to go to work, to be able to pick a dress if she has like a party, to be able to mm. pick an accessory, uh, a top that she can wear every day or on the weekend. Mm. It's just, I like to think, I like to, to think um, shopping as a wardrobe different pieces for different time of the day of the week then hopefully i hope before the end of the year i will be able to finally finally release uh the first print issue of noir this is Mm. what i'm working on like crazy right now and um really that will just you know wrap the end of the year amazingly for me if i manage to do that and Mm. um also working on uh opening um a showroom for tongoro in the car not a shop because I think a shop is just too much work, but I just want a nice place where people can come 
see the items like in real and also uh you know for people that travel and because there's a lot of people that come here and always ask oh where can i shop your clothes i love it i see it on instagram so not everybody understand that we're e-commerce yet and it's not something, <laughs> you know uh, so yeah, I just want a nice space where, you know, for example, I can welcome you around a cup of tea or a glass of champagne and you can do your shopping. Uh, it's going to be by appointment only because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, then you can just manage the, the flow of people that are coming mm-hmm. and it gives a little more exclusive side to the whole shopping experience, uh, which is everything I'm about experience. Uh, and then, yeah, next year I would love to explore another, maybe another business idea. I love beauty. I'm all, I'm, I'm really into skin products. So, you know, there's just so much thing to do here that are not exploited and oh. yeah, mind is just racing, but I also need to take my time and do things well, uh, so that everything, you know, evolve, uh, successfully. Mm. Thank you so much. Amika, do you have any more questions? Um, Oh yeah, it, and this is a really, really random question. Um, so I was just on your on the Tongoro website, and I'm wondering, like, are these sizes like UK sizes, or what? Like, what is the size chart? So we have a size chart on our info page where you can see the equivalence. Uh, so right uh, in the footer, mm. and you gotcha. have. And- you have all the equivalence uh in uk sizes for the small medium and large so that you can see what it you know translates to. got it mm. okay perfect thank you yeah and you're just as an aside i just love the feed for tongura yeah. I, the images are just so Life. appealing uh-huh. so appealing because that's the other thing sometimes it's like understanding the importance the importance of branding and images uh-huh. Because, yeah. you know, you might be making quality things, but if the photos don't look great, there's no way you can communicate that to someone who doesn't have the privilege of seeing it in person. Uh-huh. Yeah, image yeah. is very, very important to me in everything that I do, because I think the way you present yourself is the way you show yourself to the world. And mm-hmm. even if you or your brand or your project, everything has to be polished. And so that when people see you or see your project, they just know what you're about. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us, Sarah. This is so, <laughs> so great. <laughs> uh-huh. I hope you liked it. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it was our pleasure. Um, one thing, the last, the last thing we do to wrap up is just we like to talk about what we're reading or listening or watching. It's a way of letting the our listeners know um, our recommendations for those things. Yeah, so Onyeka, do you want to go or I can go? It uh, doesn't matter, you can go. Okay, so I recently discovered this new artist. His name is Toulouse, T-O-U-L-O-U-S-E. And um, I later discovered that he's he was born in Nigeria. So that was a very nice huh. surprise. Yeah, I just discovered him through somebody's Instagram. Um, so I really love, he released an EP last month called extended plea and i really love here and now it's one of the songs off of that ep and he's he's really great guys so check him out his name is toulouse t-o-u-l-o-u-s-e oh i what am i listening to so i've right now my 
I'm listening to everything from um, Ty Tribbett's new album, which I've been raving about on Instagram. Um, and then I found out about this guy called Jeff Ako, um, who actually has a song with Bissala from Skinny Girl in Transit. Um, oh. So, yeah, his sound is very interesting. Like, it's very alternative and Nigerian. And I don't know. It's just a very interesting concept. So the name of the song um, is Shokoloko Bangoshe. And his name is Jeff Ako. I'm not really a listening person. I think I'm more, I read. And mm. uh, I have that uh, I'm reading the Americana book uh, from uh, Shimonenda. And uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful story. So well written. I don't know mm -hmm. if you want to, to read it yet. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's really a great book. So I haven't finished yet, but uh, so far mm -hmm. I'm hooked. So something nice to read and a new order because... I think African orders are not, I mean, she's very, she's on the scene and everybody knows about her, but yeah, really uh, take a chance to read the book. It's really nice. Mm. All right. So that's it for us. Once again, thank you so much, Sarah. We love what you're doing with Tongoro, with Noir, with Ifren, and we're always supporting you. We're cheering for you. Mm -hmm. Thank you the world. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.